I'm Dr. Terry Fisher, a physician and voice technology futurist. Voice First Technology is rapidly becoming the operating system of our lives, and it will completely revolutionize the way we experience healthcare. Let's talk voice. Voice First Health, the future of health is voice. Hello and welcome to Voice First Health, episode 19. Now, this is a very, very special episode. In this episode, I am interviewing Brian Romley. And for those of you that don't know who Brian Romley is, he has often been referred to as the Oracle of Voice. He truly is one of the leading world experts on voice technology. He is a scientist, a researcher, an analyst, a a thinker, a doer. He is one of the true, true thought leaders in voice, and he has been studying this stuff for decades. Now, this is actually part two of the interview that I did with Brian. The first part of the interview can be found on my alexaincanada.ca podcast. And you can find that at alexaincanada.ca slash 54. It was the 54th episode uh, in that podcast series. And of course, I'll have the links to that episode in the show notes as well as in your actual uh, podcast audio file so you can link to it directly from there. I really encourage you to go back and listen to that episode because in that episode, Brian talks about his overall thesis of what the voice first revolution means to him. And he's actually the person that has been given credit for coining the term voice first. So it's a fascinating discussion. You can really hear the the breadth of the knowledge and the study and the research that he has done in this technology. So uh, by all means, go back and check that one out alexaincanada.ca slash 54. Now in this interview, we're going to take off where we left in that one. And I left, it was left as a little bit of a cliffhanger from that other episode. And in this one, Brian is jumping into the topic of having a personal voice first assistant and what that means and the implications for that. And this truly is fascinating. This is going to change our world in ways that we can't even imagine. And Brian does his best here to paint a picture of that world. And boy, it just, as I said in the other podcast, since I say in this podcast, it sends chills down my spine. So without any further ado, we're going to jump in here and we're going to continue the discussion with Brian Romley. A true voice first personal assistant. Let me tell you the end point of why this is so exciting to me. And I work backwards. And I think all great adventures should have an endpoint working backwards. I will take everybody on a bit of a quick thought experiment. Imagine the moment you wake up from being born, <laughs> that there is a device which your parents and you ultimately would agree to be on at all times with you. Okay. Follow me before you get mad. Okay. And this device is highly secured. It is not connected to the internet. And what it is, it's only to send out information and to bring back information. But it's recording the story of your life mm-hmm. in audio and video imagery. Audio and video Id- imagery that you probably will never ever look at, nor will er- any other human being look at, but it will be decoded by this AI Mm -hmm. that is with you at all times. Mm -hmm. This is what is the beginnings of your voice first personal assistant. Uh, And again, voice first, not voice only. Very important. I should have said that very early on. 
never voice only. Yeah. Uh, so what is it doing? It's becoming a memory system for you. It is recording the elements of your life. And throughout your life, you're going to refer back to it in simple commands like, um, Alfred, where was I on March 22nd, 2037 at 3 p.m.? <laughs> oh, you were talking to uh, Bill Jones. Would you like me to uh, give you an overview of what you discussed? This sounds like yes, something please. out of Black Mirror. Uh, it does. Yeah. It does because sci-fi doesn't form reality. Um, all humans have been doing is offloading our memory. That's what writing is all about. That's what art is about. Art is a form of freezing a memory, a memory of the artist. That's what the photograph is. That's what a recording is. That's what even music is a, is a form of expression of a, of a memory or a feeling. Uh, and every, every memory is actually a feeling. It's a neuropeptide release. I can go into that. We're emotional creatures. We remember things through emotions. Anyway, you go back to that memory and you've now informed a new memory. Okay, thank you, Alfred. And now you remember that you talked to Bob on that date and this is something that you're going to put together. So did you actually type? Did you actually sift? Did you actually sort? No. Right. The, the AI reached back and gave you highly contextual, meaning very personal to you, yeah. information that you hope by God will never be on the quote unquote internet, whatever that is. <laughs> right. So, so. The only way this works, uh, I'll digress for a second, is there's a form of highly regarded privacy. We won't cloudify a lot of this stuff. There will be parts that will be in a cloud, but most of it won't for very logical reasons. We don't want the elements of our life to be paroused about through court orders or, uh, you know, Snoopy uh, programmers at the big company that's going to be holding this. We don't want that, and sure. nor should it. And it's a slippery slope if we do. And so I'm a very big advocate of this. So don't get me wrong when I want everybody's information up in the cloud. I'm not advocating right. that at all. We have to have a discussion. So let me move on with this thought experiment, and I'll close it off for you to for us to consider. Yep. Um, so you're now 49 years old. And many of the elements that have made you, we are defined by our experiences. It is not us. We are not our experiences, but our ex experiences inform the paradigms that create us. And paradigms are, let's call them subroutines that allow us to edit the reality we see. When you go to the user illusion, you understand what the editing I'm talking about really means. We are literally editing reality. We don't see the full Niagara Falls of reality coming at us. We don't have the throughput to handle that. We edit our, through paradigms. Right. And the paradigms are informed by the experiences we have in our life, whether the social, from our parents, uh, obviously at first, and social, community, religious, philosophy, whatever. Even if you don't have a philosophy, you, you, a philosophy is, in, is informed upon you by the media that you consume, etc. Politics and everything. So, you're you're a, a father of three and you're driving along in your self-driving car. And unfortunately, eh, we lost one today. The self-driving car decided to drive off a cliff. I don't know why. It was a glitch in a program. Now, what's left? 
what's left is something that's magical. It's phenomenal. Hmm. Your son and your daughter and your other son are standing there and what's in front of them is the essence of your life. Let's call it your voice first personal assistant. And we're going to have to construct the rules and the laws and the, and, and the, the rules of the game of how that information will be stored or erased. But what I will tell you is if anybody has ever had a child mm -hmm. and they were to be taken away mm -hmm. without giving what they believe the essence of their thesis of life is, that's what we're all, we're all doing. There's no user manual to a human being. What we do is we try to inform the next generation not to screw up as bad as, that's right. as we did. Yeah. Right? That's right. And we're trying to take them like a sack of potatoes and throw them as far ahead of us as we possibly can. That's all humans have ever been trying to do. That's what every human being on this planet ultimately wants to do. It's hard-coded into our wiring to try to do that. And those maternal instincts take off the moment you, you reproduce. And maybe if you don't reproduce, you might see it in other ways. I don't know. We, I've reproduced, so I don't have that a perspective, but I see it in others mm -hmm. that haven't. But suppose you're taken away and you've designed a program or a program has been designed for you to eliminate those things that you don't want your children to have raw access to. Um, I, I'll use your imagination on what those things are growing sure. up that you don't want your kids to know. But do you want them to have access to the sum total of what your knowledge and experience was? I say the book of your life. Yes. Hmm. That book of your life might generate into a hologram. It might be embodied in a robotic system. Let's not toil with that. Because ultimately, the interaction is going to be through our voice. We're going to see this image at some point in time. If we live long enough, your son turns 28 years old and he turns to your essence, your voice first assistant, which is still there. Mm -hmm. says, Dad, I'm getting married today and I need some advice. I'm scared as hell. How did you do it? Now, that, sense, voice that sense chills down, down my spine right now. Just thinking about that. It does to me. Yeah. Now, this voice first system can come back in your dad's voice if you're so inclined, or it can come back as a third person saying, well, your dad had this experience. Or I personally think, well, son, when I first met your mom, let me tell you a little story. Hmm. This yeah. is what happened. Yeah. Imagine if you've ever lost anybody in your life, imagine if you could go back and have a conversation with that individual. That is why I bounce out of bed every morning. Imagine if it's not just your dad. Imagine it, it's people throughout history that you found have found fascinating. Imagine if you could come back to them and say, Albert Einstein, Thomas Jefferson, Huh. Thomas Edison, Henry Ford, what did you do? How did you do it? And they would talk to you one-on-one. -on -one. You will not have that person. Don't get me wrong. This essence is not the person. We're not creating a th synthetic person, nor do I think we ever will. What we will have is the ability to audit memories that these people have allowed to be audited. 
and to have a conversation with those memories. That is a book uh, times a factor of 100. It's what humans have been doing since the beginning of time, transferring knowledge forward. So the book was a temporary stopover too. When you and I pick up a book from somebody that wrote it two or 300 years ago, are we not entering their mind? Are we not, if we close our eyes, living in their epoch? This is no different than that, Terry. And a lot of people, when they finally grasp this concept, it's what humans have always been doing. That's the voice first revolution. That's what we're going to be doing. We're not going to be barking commands to our computer. We're going to be using our computer in a much different way. And what we call a computer and this idea of what we do with a computer is going to radically change. Will we have social media? Yes, but it will look a lot different than it does today. Uh, will we look things up? Yeah, but we're going to be asking for the best results. Will we be shopping? Voice commerce is going to be a massive uh, part of this. It's just like uh, web commerce and mobile commerce really made the internet and the mobile phone come in existence. And will there be a form of advertising? No, not the way we're used to it. We're not going to be interrupted and we're not going to allow our experiences to be adulterated, but we are going to seek out experts and influencers who we have concluded through our smart assistance um, that go out and, and parouse upon our behalf. This is not a personal assistant. It's something that is sent out that has a temporary existence that goes and parouses. We might have thousands at any given moment. They parouses public information, brings it up off the internet, and then takes it offline and presents it to your personal assistant. That's the only way it's going to work. Your personal assistant will not yeah. be online 24-7 because it can't. There is no way it will ever be fully safe. So there's always going to be a firewall, and that firewall... I won't go into my patents and other things. I'm giving a lot away here that a lot of people have never <laughs> thought about. But um, I do this because I think it's important for people to understand where we're going. Mm -hmm. And this isn't a guess. I'm not the only person that came up with this. I'm synthesizing the work of thousands of giants who I stand on their shoulders. So if I sound like I've blown your mind, you give me some credit, but well, I'm standing on the shoulders of well, giants. You know, you know, because I've, I've I've heard you be, uh, being referred to as the oracle of voice, and hearing you speak, uh, and the way that you're able to take all of these different disciplines and pull them together, and you know, tell us where you think this is going. But in but this is all rooted in in really concrete you know, evidence and research. I mean, this is you. I mean, you really do do an amazing job of bringing this together and really helping to educate us. My Terry, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that, that, that's my honest opinion. Um, I want to I want to ask you a little bit about um, where you see this. I mean, you, simply what you've already described is a perfect example of how, you know, interpersonal relationships are going to completely change and how this can help with loneliness and mental health and all of this sort of stuff. What are some other ways that you see this voice first revolution affecting healthcare? Wow. I want to take one step back sure. and, and, and put a, a final end cap because it really does inform where this is going. Sure. Um, this is going to happen. How it happens and whether there's laws and rules or whether it's just uh, move fast and break things with people's uh, uh, context, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I hope it's not the latter. Um, there is the idea of the newer sphere and um, – 
uh, N-O-O-R-S sphere. You know, people can look this up. This was a concept of the, you know, an extension of the biosphere and, and, and the actual earth. What's the newer sphere really mean to me? It means that you and I are going to create this personal assistant that is the essence of all of the things that we've experienced that will live on past us. And imagine if they get to interact after we pass on with other personal assistants and other human beings. And it never stops. It continues to inform itself. That will form what I feel is this intellectual layer of humanity that's way beyond what the internet is. You, and, just, you and, just sent chills down my spine again. <laughs> that's two times yeah. in one episode. Okay. Uh, well, that's, this, is, this is amazing. Yeah, go on. It, go it, on. it blows my mind and I deal with it every day for 30 odd years. Um, it, it, it's why I'm excited over this. Why is that important? Imagine having the sum total of all human knowledge that's locked up in brains available into infinity. I, Terry, I used to dream about what it would have been like to read all the documents that were destroyed in the Library of Alexandria. Library of Alexandria was humanity's first lobotomy when it was destroyed. We literally lobotomized ourselves and we took the sum total of all human recorded knowledge and scrolls and anybody wanting to really get depressed for a little bit because it depresses me to this day is read what happened to Hypatia, the first librarian. She was, utter, well, the last librarian the Library of Alexandria. The Alexandrian Library was literally a, a compilation of what humans have understood. And and it was studied. It was one of the very first universities, if you will. And it was burned because of fanaticism. And I won't blame any particular religion because all of them wanted to see it burned because it didn't necessarily fit the paradigm of the current state of of science, because that was science at the time. They uh, certainly believed it was, uh, because it was stating facts about reality. What science at the time said was was truth, in fact. And so that first lobotomy stole from all humans the ability to reach into the minds of those people that came before us. If, in fact, the neurosphere uh, is going to happen which I believe it will, Mm -hmm. and I believe it may be a twisted path. Some people argue the internet is. The internet is not intelligent. It is is data, and it may be information. And data and information is almost useless. Why? Because it was postulated that if we had access to the internet, we'll all be smart and intelligent and wise. It hasn't really done that, Terry. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wisdom is a uniquely human thing, and wisdom requires being informed by other people that are wise, or the sum total of the wisdom we've been around. I'm a writer at a website called Quora. Yes. And Quora has been my PhD of life. I read the first person insights of people who are releasing their knowledge out. It's the beginning echoes of a modern library of Alexandria. That's why I love that place so much. It is not Wikipedia. I'm not talking about current facts with quotes around them because facts are constantly changed when new instrumentation is 
is is developed. If you and I were talking around the late eighteen hundreds in your profession, and I said, mm, "Doctor, what do you exp- What's your feeling about these little creepy crawlers that are going to be on people's hands?" Um, there's this crazy guy called Pasteur and there's other <laughs> friends that are saying we should sterilize things. <laughs> I can't see it with my eyes. It doesn't exist. <laughs> this guy's crazy. Let's burn him at the stake. Right. You know, this is what happens with facts. So I believe that facts are fluid. I believe facts are based upon the instrumentation and the wisdom we have at that particular time. And I believe if you take any other position of quote unquote facts, you're vastly misinformed about the arc of human dis- discovery of history. Uh, it was a fact that nine out of 10 doctors preferred lucky stripes. You know, there, there's all kinds of things. There's a fact that take this little uh, radioactive pill and you'll get pregnant faster. I mean, there is a lot of facts. There was a fact that um, let's put cocaine in a, in, a, in a syrupy drink and give it to your kitty, cry less. These are all facts that existed in the past. And they're taking place right now as we speak. There are facts that you and I all believe that are going to be proven utterly wrong. And we're going to laugh. Sure. Our generations ahead are going to laugh. Why is it important? The neurosphere, the idea that we can have a compendium of knowledge that can inform each other and, and, and these structures. I, I don't like the idea of artificial intelligence. I take those letters and I reverse them into IA. Instead of AI, it's IA. IA is intelligence amplification. Mm. And that's what I think ultimately humans are doing. And that's what I think all machines are doing. And that's what I think everything humans have ever done throughout history that's moved us forward has been doing. And that's why I I speak about this like it's a fact because I don't test gravity, Terry, every morning. I don't every morning go out and empirically test gravity. After a while, I believe that gravity exists. I may not understand it to a level of whether there's gravitons or particles or waves or it's a quantum experience, whatever, Uh, but it's there. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't need to test certain elements of human gravity. There's an arc that humanity always goes on. Now, we get interrupted. When the Library of Alexandria got burnt, guess what happened? Something called the Dark Ages. Yes, we can tie the Dark Ages to the human lobotomy of the Library of Alexandria being destroyed. And so we don't. We can go and test it again. We may. We may go and lobotomize ourselves through... It's always out of good intentions. Let me tell you, the people that destroyed that information or any information today, you hear anybody talking about destroying any form of information, I don't care what it is, that's a form of lobotomy. Hmm. And it's a slippery slope. That's why I have a problem when there's somebody that's going to edit anything. Because these are people who've never studied the arc of human history. You cannot edit what humans produce. You can talk about it. You can say you don't like it. You can say it's wrong. It may be objectively wrong. But the moment you say there ought to be a law and we ought to shut this person up and we don't like their speech, we are committing the same crimes that have created the lobotomies of human society since the beginning of time. And it always, always is for the best intentions. We needed to, we needed to take Hypatia out the, um, the uh, library of Alexandria's uh, librarian, hmm. the last one, we needed to take her out because she didn't conform to what was the popular thinking at that particular moment. Right. And we always believe that we're at the pinnacle of, of thought that we are so much more enlightened. 
I tell you, if I took everybody listening into a time machine and we looked at the people that were tearing her apart with abalone shells over the space of a couple of days because we had to make sure that she was really gone. I don't want to get too graphic here. Um, <laughs> it, it's very important uh, to understand. If I would take you back in that time machine, you would be utterly convinced if you were to audit those people and say, hey, what are you doing here? Well, I'll give you a long of it. She's this, she's that, she did this, she did that, and look what you did here, and look what you did there, and look what their other people, and look at what their information is doing to society, and it's corrupt, blah, 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 and you will hear the exact same stuff we've heard every time from good intentions. And so what I'm hoping for in this revolution, this voice first revolution, I use voice first because it's a, it's the short informed form of this idea of AI using our primary user interface, which is our voice. Uh, yes, we do see things visually and our voice first systems will generate visual imagery, mm-hmm. but the intelligence is going to be communicating through us that way. Now, some people say, Brian, it's going to be a direct neuronal connection. And I will say, that's interesting. What does that neuronal connection look like and sound like? Well, I don't know. Uh, well, go a little deeper. That neuronal connection will be a voice because the only thing you can connect to if you're going to neuronically connect to the brain is a phonological loop. You can't connect to the neural neocortex because all you're going to get is webs of imagery flying around that we couldn't possibly understand probably in the next thousand years, even with quantum computing. And uh, don't get me started about quantum computing because it's going to <laughs> radically change. If anybody thinks there's no computer power that can decode all of human thought and emotion and, uh, oh, my God, AI is not smart enough, let me do, tell you this. Now, there's something called a metaverse, and the metaverse is what qu- the quantum computer uses. And that what it basically means is that every single possible universe is being called upon to solve a particular problem. And we're at the rudimentary stages of that right now, and I don't want to blow anybody's mind even more further, <laughs> but, 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 but don't count out what technology can do because in the 1950s they didn't think we'd be running around talking into watches and rubbing our fingers on glass uh screens commanding nuclear bombs or the world or whatever everything looks like sci-fi until it happens that makes sense yeah no this is what can i say i mean i could listen to you speak forever um this is absolutely fascinating stuff i know we're i know we're a little bit short on time and and i and i and i want to respect that as well um i i wonder for, for this for this this part is is part of the voice first health podcast i'm wondering if you can i know i know you you're just so, so full of enthusiasm and knowledge voice first health is there can you give us just a, a brief overview um maybe summary of what that sort of means to you. And then I'm going to have to have you back on at some other point to talk about other examples of well, voice and, and that sort of thing. And, and I'd love to get into the whole privacy issue. I mean, there's so much to, to uncover with you, but I'm just curious, you know, an overarching thesis on, and how is this going to affect healthcare? Let me get grounded and come back right to this moment in time. Cause the true personal assistant doesn't exist today. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the devices from Amazon, Apple, and Google, and Samsung, they're not true personal assistants. And they're great. They do amazing things. We talk pre-show about some of this. But let's just talk about what it's doing in people's lives right at this moment. Sure. Right at this moment, there's an elderly person that's sitting alone. And it's not because 
nobody cares necessarily. It's just because of the reality of societal existence as we are today. We're in these little boxes and we separate ourselves. We used to live communally as a big family and we can get into the anthropology of that. But these people are essentially becoming isolated. Their eyesight is failing. They don't get to speak very often because nobody even wants to talk to them anymore. Dad, mom, text me. And it's ironically, ironically, uh, funny how this all comes about. And I'll, I'll get into that in a second. Because people say, see, Brian, everybody's texting. They're not talking. And we'll, we'll, we'll look at this. So we'll start with the senior. The senior is able to at least create some dialogue, ask questions. Um, now, this may sound theoretical. This is empirically held in fact. There are thousands of seniors that are sitting there who used to just sit and maybe watch TV and maybe try to do word puzzles, try to keep their brain active because an inactive brain is like a muscle that's not being used. It atrophies. Mm -hmm. And they're talking to Siri and Alexa and they're having conversations as rudimentary as they are, talking about anything under the sun, asking questions like a newborn child, you know, just trying to discover um, what the world is to them at that particular moment. So I know this because I've actually studied it. I've done three studies with seniors and their use, actually quite a few more, but specifically um, their use of these devices. And this is a one ongoing study. And it is just fascinating. We have people who are considered non-intellectuals by their own assessment starting to study things like chemistry, uh, neurology, biology, medical science, all kinds of things, just by auditing the system, uh, essentially talking to this voice assistant and getting questions and ask answers. Huh. Now, some may argue, well, yeah, I do that all day going, you know, typing with Google. You know, sure. And I used to walk 10 miles barefoot to school. Uh, you know, I mean, we <laughs> right. can come up with all these, this Rube Goldberg type of systems. What I'm telling you is that because we've eliminated the barrier to get access and democratizing access to information to the very old, they now have found a new existence. This is extending life, Terry. Huh. It's extending the usable life, they are able to inform themselves. They're able to reach out into the world, get access to podcasts, get access to uh, information that they would not have had access to mm -hmm. because the user interface is not getting in the way. Right. See, if any of us have had to try to train our parents or grandparents on using a newfangled system, you know how it is. And I don't care how technical inclined they are. What's this? And the pressing the button the wrong way and all that. That's why it doesn't, that's why when people are creating these voice first systems, I, I, I tell them about, you know, psychology and, you know, Myers-Briggs mm -hmm. and the age. And uh, I can go down, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the Hicks wall. I mean, you can study, you know, Hicks, uh, you know, choices and, and keep going down this this path. It's stuff that nobody's using today because when Steve Jobs liberated us from, and of course other people did this, but Steve popularized it, liberated us from the command line interface yes. of typing. 
and allowed us to get to the graphical user interface. It democratized access to information by a magnitude. It's logarithmic. And the touchscreen or the multi-touch interface has done that also. This is an arc. The next connection to that is not having to even think about how you need to ask the question. You just ask the question. And the information is delivered to you for you to act upon and synthesize and get, get creative upon. And I tell you that we're going to get what is going to be a self-assessment of more use out of somebody's life. Because rather than atrophy, they might, in fact, reach out and become much more interactive. That's the wow. one side of the spectrum. Guess what? Terry, on the other side of the spectrum is children. Hmm. And it, it was, I tell you, the cathartic event that really knocked me over. It was two months after the first Alexa was released. Uh-huh. It was um, still 2014. I was an early adopter. They didn't ship it to me. They actually shipped it to my wife because <laughs> Jeff Bezos was very wise because my wife gets many more smiling boxes than I did. And so she was a high purchase buyer. And somehow through the wisdom, they said, we're not going to send Alexa to nerds. We're going to send it to people. <laughs> we're going to send it to people actually use Amazon. Uh, Surprising. And that's why it was a sleeper hit. That's why it was missed on the radar of the Silicon Valley elite and, uh, and pundits. They... They were surprised by by tw- it was it took to 2016 for most people in the Silicon Valley to truly wake up to what the phenomenon was, mm-hmm. and by that time, a lot of them were in denial. I call them voice first deniers because they really think the arc of human history is going to be through virtual reality glasses, mm-hmm. and I'm sad to tell you that it, that is a very small sliver. If anybody's listened to what we've talked about in this last hour or so, mm-hmm. it's a very small sliver. So you have a child uh, it, relating to this. Yeah. I'm sitting on my couch and we're in this, we have this big great room in the house and my children were doing their homework. At that time, they were five and eight, I believe. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they had already known Alexa before I did because I was on a business trip and they had hit installed and... They had already been talking to it long before I did, so they developed an, a very quick relationship. But, and that fascinated me to begin with. I'm like, you had Siri forever. Dad works in voice. Huh. You've been playing with my stuff, yeah. and they just took to it instantly. Wow. They anthropomorphized her. They called her her. Mm-hmm. They imagined what she could look like. I mean, they went through this whole thing. But right. I'm sitting on a couch, and I'm just listening. And it was sort of dark, and they were in the kitchen counter. You know, we have these little chairs there. And my youngest was asking about why the sky was blue. Huh. And it was, as a dad, it was one of those questions I always hoped that I would answer. So it was a, started out being bittersweet because <laughs> I know why. It's nitrogen, and, 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 and the sky isn't really blue. It's everything but blue. Nitrogen absorbs blue. So I got that out there, right? Uh. So really, color is everything but that color. Go and think about that for a while. You, you'll, you'll get a, you get your brain, brain twisted up. A lot of people are yelling at me right now. You're wrong, Brian. Go look it up. Anyway, so I wanted to go and do that. Now, Alexa didn't actually say that. She just really talked about nitrogen. Mm-hmm. And then my child went on to ask other questions related to the molecules of nitrogen and then other 
ideas of what color is the atmosphere on Mars and why is the atmosphere red? And this series of real-time questions that I assert would probably have not taken place if we had to mechanically and cognitively type all those questions one after the other. I counted. Terry, by the time the last tear left my eye because I started crying, uh, because it really hit me just how impactful this is. It was 48 questions deep. Wow. And he finally stopped. And what he did is took himself on a little journey of knowledge that would not have been happening under any other circumstance unless that there was an expert there that tirelessly would have answered every one of those questions. Wow. That is such a wonderful way, I think, to end it, the journey of knowledge. And, and Brian, you have just taken us, taken us on quite the journey of knowledge here with, Thank you. with this uh, Voice vs. Revolution. I am so thankful for uh, all the time that you spent with us. It is absolutely fascinating to, uh, to hear you speak about all this. And uh, I personally am looking forward to, uh, to seeing you soon at, uh, at one of the conferences coming up and hearing you speak there. Um, Brian, thank you so much. I, I, uh, I really mean that sincerely, and I hope that you will uh, join me again at some point in the future to continue our discussions. Um, I want to let the listeners know how they can um, you know, get in touch with you and follow what you're doing because it's just remarkable. How oh, first, you- off, first off, Terry, thank you really for those kind of words. I really appreciate it. I mean, I'm um, just standing on shoulders of giants. And, you know, if anybody wants to reach out, I talk to anybody. As you can tell, uh, I will talk. I'm known to do that. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter, my first and last name, on Quora. Um, you know, those are the places I'm known to hang out. And uh, let me know your thoughts. And if you got better insights or different things, I want to hear it. Because, you know, there's no right and wrong with this. We're all discovering it in real time. And it's an absolute pleasure to be here to talk about it. It's an honor. And I look forward to the next time we link up, Terry. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Brian. Thank you. Well, there you go. Um, what can I say? Unbelievable discussion. Fascinating discussion. Brian, a personal thank you again for taking some time out to record this. I know we spent quite a bit of time together discussing uh, this podcast and going through the interview. And from the bottom of my heart, a sincere thank you to you, Brian. Uh, I hope that the listeners truly have gained a, a, a lot of insight into this voice first world, and I'm sure uh, that they have. Now, to you, the listener, I'm going to put the links to things that Brian mentioned on the show notes page. That can be accessed at voicefirsthealth.com slash 19. And probably most importantly is the link to alexaincanada.ca slash 54, which will take you back to part one of this podcast interview. So again, I encourage you to check that out. And uh, you're going to just hear more of, uh, of the amazing Brian Romley. So Uh, Thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate you being here. This podcast, and in fact, these two podcasts in this series was so much fun for me to produce for you. Uh, I learned a lot and I hope you did too. And I look forward to bringing you another interview next week. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. 